0: Um, Yeah, we were going to have another video, but if it's no good, that's all right. Um, You guys can look it up at home. (laughs) Um, Is there still a PowerPoint? Will that be all right? Yeah, sweet. Cool. Um, Yeah, so we've just been tracking through Advent for the last few Sundays, and this is the last Sunday before Christmas, so last one uh, today. And it's just been to kind of position ourselves um, ready to celebrate Christmas, but also engage with this season in the, the calendar of just... This posture of waiting and anticipation as we look back to jesus first coming and as we look forward to jesus second coming and um yeah one thing churches do is focus on these four different um topics of hope peace joy and love and we've kind of been looking at these from a biblical definition and um, using the bible project videos to sort of say actually often the way that we use these words in english are not what they mean in hebrew or greek or what they meant in the story of the bible um, and yeah they've got cool little videos um so if you go to thebubbleproject.com and you find their Advent series, you can look up the one for love. It is, it's worth watching. It's really, really great. Um, and one of the key points they have is that um, we tend to define love um, in English in a lot of ways that just is not helpful at all. We use it for so many different things. Um, we can say, I love pizza, and we can say, I love my mum, or I love my wife. And they, it's, this seems, if that means the same thing, it's kind of strange. And, um, so it's not, it's, the English word for love is not that great. The interesting other thing they said, though, is that sometimes we might then say, okay, well, let's go to the biblical dictionary and look up the Hebrew definition of love. And they said, actually, well, that, that can also not be helpful either, just looking at a definition. The thing to do is actually look at the acts of God and the things and the way God lives and the things that God does, particularly Jesus, and the way that Jesus lives, and that's our definition of love. Actually, look at what he does and what he's like. So what I want to do is, is go through that um, today. Basically, I'm going to use some work from a guy named Scott McKnight who has a really interesting biblical definition of love, and I just want to talk you through that. Um, he's got a book called Fellowship of Difference, um, and I was kind of use that as a base and then look at a few different scriptures as we go through as well. So I might pray, and then, um, yeah, we'll get started. Yeah, Father, thank you for this time to just um, prepare um, to celebrate your first coming and position ourselves ready and waiting for your second coming. Uh, thank you, God, that there is hope in you, there is peace and joy, and that you are love and you fill us with love and, and grow us in love. And we just ask God that you'd speak um, by your word and by your spirit today. Um, yeah, reveal yourself to us in greater ways and, and fill us with your goodness. Um, and we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so one, probably the main way that we use love is, is romantic. When people talk about love, they, they talk about romance. Or if not just romance, at least feeling. It's, it's mostly used as a feeling word when we sort of say we're talking about affection or desire or how we feel but biblically love is much more an action word it's it's an act of something that you do and it involves feelings but it's it's much more than that and when Jesus was asked what's the greatest command he said to love God and love your neighbor and it's that there's an aspect of emotion there but it's about about generosity about service about giving and it's this idea that actually The way to love God is to love people. And as we love people, we're loving God. And these two things actually go together. Um, But we sort of often tend to think mostly about the, the, the feeling side. But biblically, it's more a decision or a choice of the will and a commitment or a covenant. That God actually makes a covenant with his people. And that's an expression of his love. Scott McKnight says this way, Love then is not primarily emotion or affection, but rather a covenant commitment to another person. Commitment does not deny emotions. Commitment reorders emotions. So often love is elevated to just emotion, which means if you feel love for someone, you love them. As soon as you don't feel love for them, then you don't love them. But biblically, love involves feeling, but it's a commitment to whether you feel love or not you are for them and with them so what I want to do is go through and just break down this idea what is this commitment what what does it mean to be committed to another in love by looking at what God does and how God treats Israel and how God treats us because he's the God of love so we learn what love is as we look at him so we see in Exodus and all throughout the Bible God has this desire to be with his people He's, he's rescued people out of, his people out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. He says, have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. God isn't just up in the sky, far away. He, he wants to be with his people. He actually in, in, asks them to build this tent called the tabernacle and set up all these different things so that he can be near them and with them. And actually, love is a commitment to be with another. There's this element of presence Um, it's not just feeling or not just doing things from a distance, but actually being with them. God's heart is to be with us. Um, We see this again in Jesus, uh, that his name is actually God with us. In Matthew 1, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When we celebrate Christmas, it's literally God coming to dwell with us as a human. And Jesus' name is Emmanuel. His name is God with us. God, God expresses his love in this commitment to be with us, to be present. Again and again in the Bible, when people are struggling, they're not sure what to do, they're not sure how things are going to work out, God's promise is, I will be with you. I'm never leaving you. I'm here. And then right at the end of the story, when Jesus comes again, we see this promise in Revelation 21. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. That God actually wants to be with us and he's got a commitment to be with his people, to be together. And often actually, that, that's often such a great expression of love. We might kind of not think that. We might, might often think, well, loving is, is doing something or giving or serving. And that's true as well. But sometimes the best way to express love is just to be with somebody, is actually just to be together, is actually to spend quality time, to actually know that you're going to be there and you're not leaving, you're actually committed to them, is actually a great expression of love. Um, we see this in marriage when people commit to be with each other through difficulty, but this is not just for marriage, it could be any relationship. Where we actually commit to each other and actually say, I'm here, I'm with you. Um, Again, Scott McKnight says this, Love is a rugged commitment by one person, married or not, to another person, married or not. The relationship may weather stormy waters, but love hangs on through the storm. It is the hanging on, married or not, that illustrates what love is. Person A says to person B, I'm here with you through it all. So it's not when I feel love or when things are going well, I'm here. It's I'm here even through difficulty, even through pain, even when it's difficult, I'm with you. And we see that's what God is like. That's how he treats Israel. He's with them, even though they forsake him, even though they frustrate him. He's patient and he endures and he, and he, and he stays and fulfills his promise. So love, firstly, is a commitment to be with. And when we are seeking to love each other, we don't, that, that can be freeing in some ways. That Actually, one of the best ways to love each other is actually just be with each other, is actually spend time together is actually value each other's presence and actually be present. Often one of the big things kids want is just for their parents to be present with them. And one of the biggest gifts God gives to us is his presence that he's with us and we can be present with each other. So love is a commitment to be with there's this presence element. We then see in Exodus this situation just before that when they're, they're leaving and they're exiting Egypt and they're in this trouble with the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies behind them. And Moses speaks to the people and he says, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And we see this, that God isn't just present with Israel, his people. He actually fights for them. He, he, he's for them. He's their advocate. He's their deliverer. He's their saviour. And love is this commitment to not just be with But to be for another. God is for his people. Uh, He's a supporting strength to them, He's an advocate to them. Um, We see this um, Zechariah after John the Baptist is born. He's talking about God coming to save in Luke, part of the Christmas story. He says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come to His people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. So when Jesus comes, it's not just to be with us. But it's to redeem, it's to rescue, it's to save, it's to come on our behalf and actually die in our place. That God is for us in Jesus. And then we see again at the end in Revelation, that verse that we read before continues. It says, They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. It's this, this fullness. We are God's people, and he's our God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So see, love is not just with, it's actually this posture of for, being on our side, strengthening, supporting, working. Again, McKnight says this, we could translate this, this idea of God being our God and us being his people, he says we could translate this, I've got your back or I'm on your side. I'm with you as the God who is for you. God's love is a covenant of supporting strength. He's our proponent, he's our advocate, he's on our side. There's that great verse in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's this idea, God is not against us, God is for us. He's working for our good. He's he's working to rescue, he's working to redeem. So that's how he loves. And then one way that we love others is by being with them and being for them. Actually being an advocate, actually being a supporting strength and encouragement, um, a blessing. So love is, is being with, commitment to be with, and commitment to be for. Then see in Genesis 12, when God first calls Abraham, it's not just that he's going to be with them and for them, but we see he's actually going to do, they're actually going to change. Something's going to happen in them. He says to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So God calls Abraham, he loves him, he's with him and for him, for Israel. But it's not just for their own sake. It's actually that they would grow to be like God in blessing and serving and, and supporting. It's actually the sense of God's love. Like Sometimes our definition of love is love, this means you let anybody do whatever they want and you just affirm them in whatever they want. And there's a true element in, in that love gives freedom, but love has a direction. It actually, there's, there's a way, and actually love leads people down that way. To be, it's to be with and to be for, leading to Christ-like transformation. There's actually a direction to love. God calls Abraham and says, I'm going to make you into a blessing. See this, even in um, the story of Zacchaeus, God, Jesus comes to this man, Uh, People are muttering, they say he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. So Zacchaeus doesn't have his life together, he's a bit of a mess, he's a sinner, he's caught up with Rome. But Jesus goes to be with him, and Jesus is for him, and it leads to transformation. It says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I pay them back four times the amount. So this love of Jesus, this being with and being for actually impacts Zacchaeus' heart so he's transformed and he grows in Christ's likeness, in generosity, in giving. This this love is actually leading in a direction. And the ultimate direction is that we become like Jesus. We see this in John 1. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what what, what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. That the direction he's leading us to is to be like him in love, in generosity, um, in Christ-likeness. So love has a direction. Um, it, it, it doesn't sort of just say, yeah, just do whatever you want, that's, that's fine. It says, actually, no, that's not the way. This, this is the way. And it's actually the love that actually transforms and grows us into being loving people as well. Again, McKnight says this, God loves us. And God's kind of love transforms us. Into loving and holy, God glorifying and other oriented people in God's kingdom. It's a transforming love that as we're with Him, as we understand He's for us, we become people who can be with and for others as well. So, love, this definition of love, is a commitment, or He says, a rugged commitment to be with and to be for, leading to Christ like transformation. So, there's an aspect of presence, of advocacy and there's a direction. And and we see this in, in Christmas, in Jesus coming to be with us, him being for us, leading to rescue and change and transform us to be able to follow him and be like him. And it's interesting though, because sometimes we might be tempted to go the other direction. We sort of say, when you become a bit more Christ-like, I'll be for you, and then I'll be with you. It's like we want people to change first. It's like get your act together a bit, and then then I'll be with you, and then I'll be for you. And sometimes we even think we're being for people by doing it that way. We say just, I'll stay over here, you change, and then I'll come close. But we see the opposite in Jesus, that actually he comes to be with sinners. He comes to be with people who are going to reject him. He, He loves those who are not like him. He's for them, and that actually leads to transformation. Sometimes we can get the order wrong. Again, McKnight says this as a warning or an alarm. Wanting direction, so wanting to give direction, without presence or advocacy, is experienced by that other person as coercion. Sometimes we think actually just sort of getting someone, telling someone to get the act together, is love, but actually it can be more experienced as control. Or it not, not actually as generosity in love, but actually when we 're with and then for it creates a space to give direction and give input and actually lead to change but that can be hard because we can try and love people, and that can be frustrating because maybe we can see issues and problems and think if you just change this, if you just fix this, things would be so much better and Why is it taking so long and it 's easy just to be frustrated and one one thing i 've just been as i 've been preparing. Um, Today, one thing that's really just been impacting me is this verse, I've probably read a lot but when you think about it, it's amazing it's this verse 1 Corinthians 4 that love is patient that's an amazing verse That, that love actually allows people the time, love actually doesn't just say you've got to get your act together right now, it actually is I'm with you and I'm for you as long as it's going to take I'm going to be patient um, this, this verse in the New King James is transfer, translated love suffers long. That, that actually, and you think about the story of God in the Bible, in that he suffers a long time with his people. Like they frustrate him a lot. <laughs> they don't listen to him a lot. And he is love and therefore he is patient. And maybe even our own lives, we think about our own relationships with God. And how many times he has to tell us stuff and remind us of stuff. And how many times we go off the wrong track. And just how patient he is with us. But patience is, is hard and is, is not even necessarily something that we really tend to value. But as we're talking about uh, waiting in Advent. Waiting for Jesus coming. Waiting for his second coming. This is an opportunity again to engage with patience. And actually when we're patient we can actually bear with each other. We can actually be with each other when we haven't got our acts together. We can actually forgive each other. There's this, there's this grace that comes with patience. You see, God is patient. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He doesn't sort of stand back and say, get your act together. He doesn't flare up in a temper. He's, he's slow to anger. God is patient. So, and this is, again, most most... The thing that we can celebrate at Christmas is that this is who he is. He's this God of generous love who would give his son, who would be patient with us, who would die for us. Um, At the end of the video, um, Tim Mackey says, the Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose for human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus, and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. That God is love, and he loves us. And life is all about receiving his love and giving it to others. And there's this cycle, and there's, this, there's what he calls an ecosystem, which is what the kingdom is, which is a kingdom of love. And it's not that we just work it up, it's that we, we get his love, He's with us. He's for us. He's on our side. He's transforming us. We love because He first loved us. So as as we enter this um, week of Christmas, um, it's an invitation to recognize this gift of grace and love, and let it fill us that we can then be people who love each other. Uh, so I'm going to pray, and then um, then we'll sing. We'll sing to finish off. Yeah, Father, we just thank you that you are a God of love, Lord, and just ask for grace to actually believe that. It's not too good to be true, that at the center of everything is you, a being of love. Uh, Father, Son, and Spirit who have been in an eternal relationship of love. God, that you then share that with us and demonstrate it on the cross. And Father, we just ask you to fill us with your love afresh, God. Fill us with patience for each other, our commitment to each other. God, grace to be with and for each other, leading to transformation. And we just thank you for your goodness and your grace and kindness. And just pray this in your name. Amen.